May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Let's do some judging. Let's judge. That's about what you expect to hear when you came here today, right? Let's judge. What's this guy talking about? Normally, normally we think you're not supposed to judge, right? You know, get off your high horse. Don't be so judgmental. But the reality is, and God's word today tells us that there are some things we have to judge. You do it all the time. You judge what you believe and what you don't. You judge what is true and, and what isn't. So today, let's work on that. Let's do some judging. I've got some practice for you. We're going to take a couple of statements. You judge them. First one, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. What do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down. My mom said this one, so I should probably go with it, right? But, but here's the catch. I, I think some people think of this as, as absolute gospel scripture truth. Now, scripture is full of places that talk about saying nice things and building one another up and speaking encouraging words, but, but might there be a time when the right thing to do is to say something that the person who's hearing it might not think is nice? I mean, think of what Jesus said. Was everything he said nice? No. True, yes, nice, not always. So while that statement is, is a really good model, a, a, great, uh, a great general rule, I don't think we can judge it as absolute truth, right? Let's try another one. God helps those who help themselves. What do you think? I, I've heard this one quoted as scripture too. Although scripture kind of says the opposite, doesn't it? God helps those who realize they need help, not those who think they can handle it themselves. Remember Romans 5, while we were still powerless, that, that, that means helpless, right? While we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That, that's a pretty big help. Yeah, God says that he helps those who, who need help, who know they need help. He, he humbles the, the proud. <clears throat> We could go on with this all day. Scripture also does not say that a penny saved is a penny earned or cleanliness is next to godliness or to thine own self be true. That was Benjamin Franklin and some Jewish rabbi and William Not quite the same thing as God, right? Here's what I'm getting at. Maybe we are not quite as good at, at judging truth and reality as we like to think. Ask yourself, how much of your life, how many of your decisions, how many of your defaults are really what you think they are? Today, let's work on that. Let's work on judging. Judging with the mind of Christ. This whole Sunday has been about truth and wisdom, right? We heard in, in Proverbs, we heard calling out to us and, and offering the, the, the beauty of, of, of that truth, right? In the gospel, Jesus was giving them some truth and they were having a hard time receiving it, right? They, they weren't quite understanding it. They weren't getting it. And Jesus said, well, it's because God has to reveal it to you. You're only going to get it if God gives you that wisdom. And so now in our, in our sermon text, Paul is describing what real wisdom is. Let me reread a couple of those verses. Start at the beginning there, verse 6. <clears throat> we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, 
but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. And then skip ahead to verse 15. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is God's word. This is in the Bible. This is true. And so this is what we use to judge what is true. To judge with the mind of Christ. And that's important because there are a lot of truths out there, right? Do you notice how Paul started with that? He said what we're talking about here is not the wisdom of this age, right? What, what our society thinks is right. He says it's not the wisdom of the rulers of this age, right? The leaders, the, one, the movers and shakers, the ones who, who are getting things done, the one people look to. <clears throat> so in other words, just because our Hollywood stars or athletes say something does not necessarily make it true. It doesn't necessarily mean it is wisdom. And, and intellectually, we get that, right? We, we know that. We're smart enough to realize that our actors and actresses are not necessarily well-read in history and political theory so as to guide political leanings. We, we get that. We know that, that our, our professional basketball or football players, or even our Olympians, are not necessarily the, the, the doctors and the psychologists who, who have put research and study into these things so that they could, they could guide our, our life decisions. We know that, right? But then why is it that so many people put so much stock in what the influencers say that I mean, even news reporters feel like they have to report on the celebrity's latest words of of wisdom. Might it be that just maybe, sometimes we make our judgments, we be formed based on things that don't have quite as much merit as we would like to think. So he's been giving us something better. Look at verse 7. He says, we have the mind of Christ. He says, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden. Think about that word mystery. That means it's something unknown, something that we would not have figured out. It had to be revealed. No matter how smart we are, no matter how much research we do, no matter how practical we are, we weren't going to get it until it was revealed to us. And then he goes on. But before we read the next part, Realize what humility it takes to deal with that truth. That means admitting we're helpless. Admitting we need God's wisdom. Because when you see Paul go on and, and use Isaiah's words to describe this wisdom, it's pretty obvious. He says, what no eye has seen What no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived. Do you understand the powerlessness with which we came into this? We were not going to get it. Our judgments would be wrong always. Think of it this way. And 
and here, in using this example, I'm not saying that one is right and one is wrong, like when it comes to God. You know, when God says something, that's right, and the other thing is wrong, right? But, but, but here, I'm just, I'm just trying to get us to understand the, the, the concept of coming at things from totally different perspectives, from totally different truths, right? So let's say you have a vegan and a steak lover, and they're going to get together and talk about what to eat. How is that going to go? I mean, they're going to be talking past each other. They are not understanding what the other one is saying because, because it is just so foreign to their way of thinking to do what the other one is doing. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, you see it in politics, right? The, the liberal thinks that the conservative is, is loveless and, and, and not that bright because of their views. And, and the conservative thinks that the liberal is, is ignorant and insane because of theirs. Or... Try explaining to a dog fan the merits of Georgia Tech or vice versa. You get what I'm talking about here, right? When we come at something from completely opposite perspectives so that we think that the other one is crazy. Paul says that is exactly how we would come to this wisdom. How we would approach this mystery. All of our judgments would be wrong. But then that verse goes on. After he described how no one would get this, he said, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. And then later he describes how. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit. So back to the question I asked earlier. How much of your life, how many of your decisions are based on the wisdom of the world? And how many are based on the wisdom of the spirit? on the mind of Christ. Now, we all call ourselves Christians here, right? So, so that should be an easy answer, right? Well, spirit, right? All the time, spirit. If God says it, he's given it in the word the spirit gave us, and, and we've got it, and that's what he says, and so that's how I'm going to think, and that's how I'm going to act. Easy answer, right? Unless we're honest Christians, or not even sure what we are. Either way, we realize that the, the real answer is a little more complicated. Because in here, it's easy to, to give an answer. Yes, yeah, spirit, absolutely. That, that, the Bible says it, that's true. But out there, sometimes doesn't the, the pull of the world become just a little bit stronger? Especially when, well, there's that natural born sinner in each of us fighting alongside the wisdom of the world? Okay, what am I talking about? Real world examples. In here, our priorities are clear, right? We can say God first, no question. But has it ever happened out there where, let's say work has started to kind of consume your life? And so all the decisions, instead of being made on God first, the decisions, the first thing you think about is, is work. And how can I make more money at work? Or how can, I, how can I get more power there? And so the wisdom of the world tells you, well, these are the things you do in order to, to, to have success at work. And, and this is where you spend your money so that you can, you can uh, de-stress from, from the stress that, that work causes. And as you spend that money, well, then, then you need to work some more to, to make that, that money, or you need to take some shortcuts, and suddenly you realize that you haven't thought in a long time about what the Spirit says to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Or maybe it's when 
you've been hurt again. And the person who hurt you seems to be getting away with it again. And you're the one that's suffering. And, and the, the wisdom of the world and that natural sense of justice and your anger kind of all, all team up and, and, and you, you say, well, my judgment is that this person needs to pay and I'm going to hold it against them until they do. Forgive? Oh, not this time. Judging by the wisdom of the world or judging with the mind of Christ? Did you notice what Paul says happens when we judge with the wisdom of the world. He gave some examples of people who judged with the wisdom of the world, and he said they ended up crucifying the Lord of glory. Not a bright move. That didn't turn out too well for them. Bad idea. They crucified the Lord of glory. God came to them to save them, and they killed him. That's what the wisdom of the world got them. When we judge by the wisdom of the world, we don't see the good that God is sending us. We don't see the good that, that is right in front of us, right? I mean, let's take an easy one. COVID-19, bad, right? Yeah, it's a result of sin and, and all of that, but have you noticed any of the the good that God works in all things for the good of those who love him? Maybe a, a reprioritization of, of family time. Maybe some shifting of some other priorities. Maybe just the fact that causes us to pray more. Or the loss of a loved one. Bad, right? Unless you think about their eternal joy in the presence of their Savior forever or, or your opportunity to demonstrate your faith in that. I mean, we can look at the, the job loss or the sickness or the injury, you name it. We can look at those things through the wisdom of the world and be frustrated. Or we can see them through the mind of Christ and praise God. And here's why. 2,000 years ago, the wisdom of the world saw a convicted criminal hanging on a cross. They saw helplessness and hopelessness and weakness. They saw loss. They saw a tragedy. But through the mind of Christ, you see that very same scene, that, 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 that scene of torture, and you see hope. And joy and love. You see your sins forgiven. Because through the mind of Christ, the, the wisdom of the Spirit has shown you there your substitute hanging on that cross. Paying the price that all of the guilt and, and, and shame, your sins, you know you have, it paid that price. So that through the mind of Christ... In that horrendous scene, you see love. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So now you can judge yourself through the mind of Christ. You can look at that sinner in the mirror and see a forgiven, righteous, justified child of God 
holy and pure and right, a child of heaven, which you can judge your life through the mind of Christ. Knowing how much you've been forgiven and what God's done for you, well, then you can forgive person that has hurt you. You can restore relationships that have caused you pain and then covered in forgiveness, they'll see love there. You can manage your your schedule and and your finances with the mind of of Christ, realizing you have a mansion in heaven, so you don't have to be that worried about how much you pile up here and, and you can use that time, talents, and treasure for things that really matter. Seeing things through the mind of Christ, you see this world as it really is. And then you can worship your awesome God in all of it. May God grant it in Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.